Welcome back to the Short Pour Saloon Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined by Philip Slavin. As always, how are you doing tonight? Uh, JP, I'm doing all right. Uh, it's cold. There's snow on the ground, which is fun for a two-year-old. Um, I was freezing cold. And I'm dealing with not COVID. I don't have COVID. I just have whatever you get in February when it's freezing cold outside. and You get which is always some sinus thing. So I'm dealing with that, which is fun. So I will try not to sound too nasally <clears throat> or cough on mic too often because no one wants to listen to that joke. Yeah. No, but other than that, um, I'm all right. I'm doing all right. You know, seriously, watching your two-year-old play in the snow is kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Um, my son is four months old and hit that sleep regression that uh, your uh, youngest daughter hit uh, a couple months ago. And uh my wife and I are uh, straight up not having a good time right now, um, but we're, we're getting through it. But uh, the waking up every hour, hour and a half, two hours to screaming, it's, I'm ready to be on the other side of that. That's for sure. I warned you. Oh, I know. I know. And we thought we had gotten like gotten through it decently enough. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as terrible as we thought it was going to be. And now it's as terrible as we thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. But we're seemingly getting on the other side of it now and hopefully we don't have to deal with that anymore now we're getting next thing which is great as well deal with sleep training just do it it's gonna suck for two days just do it and your life will be immensely better yeah or we're working it but i poured a stiff drink for this one because well i don't have to go into work tomorrow because it's bite ass cold and there's snow on the ground so i'll take that i'll take the house you can't build a house in the snow i understand no (laughs) I we haven't been out on job sites for the better part of the last week because it's been ten degrees. There's no concrete being poured, no framing going up. So I was do I was painting the showroom in the office and spackling and filling holes and walls and what other BS they could get me to do for a couple hours so I could at least get a little bit of money. But uh, my boss texted me and said, "Nah, but we're not doing anything tomorrow. Sleep in, enjoy your three, enjoy your free day off." Woo! <laughs> <clears throat> Very nice. Yep. All right. Well, I, I work, my job allows me to work from home, so I will be working from home. Yeah. Which is not really working. It's doing the best, the most work you can in the most in, inefficient environment possible. And I have my own like separate office and it's still, you know, daddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Oh, man. All right. Well, let, let's. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we apologize for mm-hmm. a little, little break. We recorded something after the Arkansas game uh, a couple of weeks ago f- uh, for Oklahoma State basketball, and then everything we talked about mm-hmm. went to shit when they go, went and lost to TCU. Like everything was like you could put it all on freezing cold takes. It was painful. Um, and I, I looked back and tried yeah. to find anything to cut and clip. It it didn't matter. So we just scrapped the whole thing and. Now we've had a little more time. A couple more games have gone on. Beaten uh, Texas in double overtime. Lost a tough one to Kansas. Beat K State on Saturday. So, you know, the season's obviously been a roller coaster. But you know, the, I think that's just the nature of a young team at this point. Uh, but this is still a solid team as well. Kate Cunningham still doing his thing. Rondo Walker, Man- Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Caleb Boone. Like everyone's things are starting to come together a little bit. This team is going to be really volatile. It is what it is. But they're still finding ways to win games and. As we've talked about with football, I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how disgusting of a game it is. If Oklahoma State wins at the end of it all, I'll take it. And we, we move on from there because winning cures most things. So no, that's what they're doing. They're winning a lot of games right now. And they got another chance to win uh, on Tuesday against Iowa State. So we'll go from there. Yeah, look, 
It's not pretty. Building up a 20-point lead against Kansas State and letting it get all the way down to four is the very most Oklahoma State thing this year. And some of it was just like Kansas State just couldn't miss for like, <laughs> like a four-minute stretch. five-minute stretch where it was just like – I think they had missed their first – 10 or 11 three-pointers and then made four in a row like the pen the pen you, you just, knew yeah yeah it just you knew it was coming real quick yeah because that it just it was so and it, it's not because Oakland State didn't play the defense or anything like they they played well you just like things tend to even out a little bit at least and that's that's kind of what happened on Saturday and I think you you take away from it you play without Isaac likely and that was the goal the goal has been he's dealing with a foot injury he was available to play you got the win without him having to. Because I, I think for this team to really have a, a high ceiling for the rest of the season and into the postseason, likely needs to be healthy. I think that's a big a big part of what this team needs to be there at their best when Isaac likely is healthy and out there on the court with them. Yeah, I mean, Kay Cunningham is who he is, and he's a special talent. He's awesome. And when he and Ice are working together, it's really special. And I said it a, a while back, uh, right as conference play was beginning, Cade, Cade's awesome, but Ice is still the straw that serves the drink on both ends of the floor for this team. And he has been – he was a non-factor for multiple games, and I think a lot of that was him playing hurt and mm-hmm. then pressing and trying to do too much while injured, and it just snowballed. He did pretty much nothing against TCU, was a non-factor against Texas, non-factor against Kansas, and I think it was just – I think that was just part and parcel of what was going on. And you have two when you have two games in the middle of your schedule, and even the middle of the conference schedule, against two very bad teams where you can sit one of your best players, and still find ways to win. I think this is a lot about where this team is at as well. And if you add a healthy Isaac Likely back into the mix, then you're looking at a team that's going to be able to make a run in March to some extent. Uh, I'm not expecting some crazy Cinderella run, but I think this is a team that could legitimately get to the second weekend if they play the right. Play the, play the game the right way, and we're seeing bits and pieces of it, so kind of waiting for everything to come together, but there's enough flashes that show me this team is still heading in the right direction. Calm down, people, please. I think the, the wild stat, I found this, I, I texted this to you before the Kansas State game, because I wanted to go look to figure out what, you know, like, you know, like they have those stats ready to go. Um, so on Tuesday when Oklahoma State faces Iowa State at 3 o'clock at home, if they win that game, they will be above 500 in conference play for the first time since March 4th, 2017. Just let that sink in for a minute. That's how long since they have been above 500 in conference play. And it was a like a one or two game stretch, and then they ended up into that season at 500 in conference play. Okay. That, that was that the was year under, they started 0 and 6, by the way. That was the under that was Underwood era. It was the Underwood year. They started 0-6 in conference play, and they finished 9-9. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's been a while. Do I think they finish above 500? No. Is Iowa State the kind of when you go, yeah, no. Do I care? No. Because this is like that TCU game that they shouldn't have lost. It's a can't-lose game. You can't lose this. You cannot have this loss on your resume. This, is a quad, this would be a quad four loss. That's how bad Iowa State and Kansas State are this year. Losing to them at home would be a quad four loss. So, no, get that win. And then you've got four, maybe five opportunities for 
big wins to boost your resume and help fortify you as a team that gets an invite to the dance, assuming the appeal continues to just sit and nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, right now I think Oklahoma State's projected to be around a 7-8 seed. At least that's what I'm seeing mm-hmm. right now, which feels about right for where this team is at. I don't know if their ceiling is much higher than a 7. Maybe if they make a run in the conference tournament, if there's a conference tournament, maybe they can get up to a 6. But I think that 7-8 yeah. range looks about right. Um, but, but hold on, hold on. Let's look at the rest of the schedule. You've got Iowa State on Tuesday. Get that win. Congrats. You go to Baylor, a Baylor team who will not have played for two weeks. And we still don't even know if that game, if is that game gets played. Yeah. If that game gets played, you're going to go face a Baylor team that has been on COVID issues for two weeks. Okay. That's an opportunity. You get Texas Tech at home, who's playing well, but they're up and down. Then you get back to back games against Oklahoma at home and then on the road. You still have a game against West Virginia to make up. That was a road game, assuming it happens. If it happens at West Virginia, if it happens uh, at a neutral site, potentially for some reason. Um, you've got four for sure, four games, possibly five more opportunities for quad one, at worst, quad two wins. Okay. That's huge for this team. Because you're already sitting at four and four in quad one. And and it's it's four and four right now. Like it keeps going between like four and four and five and four. I think it's either Marquette or somebody else that they've beaten that Which keeps kind of maybe. moving up and maybe uh so they're at 79 right now that may be them it may be wichita state i think marquette keeps falling off one of those two wins keeps kind of moving around um let's see where is marquette on here they're currently at 110 because they're 911 they keep sticking but it's a road game um so that's, that's part of the problem. And Wichita State, I believe I said was like 79. So that might be it. I think if there's 75, I forget the stupid quad things. Point is, they have a quad one, two that keeps going up and down. Again, it's that quad three loss to TCU at home. It's not even the road one. It's the home one that, lost, that sucks so hard. Um, but this team has plenty of opportunities. They beat Iowa State, and there's not a bad loss left on your resume. There's plenty of opportunities for good wins. Like you don't want to go 0-4 against Baylor, Texas Tech, and OU twice. But – if you could split that somehow, which this team has shown the ability to do, you beat Arkansas, you beat Texas at home, you you beat Kansas at home, you won at Texas Tech, like and you've got plenty of road wins under your your belt. You've got good opportunities down the stretch. I think this is a tournament team, barring some like 0-5 run against Baylor, Texas Tech, OU twice in West Virginia. Like maybe that knocks them out. I think it knocks them down to like a 10 or 11. But I think there's enough wins there to boost them up to a six seed. It's, those are those are quad one wins. That's going to matter. Yeah, and you know, and I, I always joked about the whole quality loss thing that Joe Lenardi talked about a couple of years ago that kept Oklahoma State out of the tournament in Boynton's first year. But mm-hmm. funny enough, the quality losses actually matter, which is really stupid. But whatever. Um, well, here, here, you want to see the problem? Look at the net rankings right now. Oklahoma State is currently forty third. They dropped because they played Kansas State. They are thirteen and six. Overall, six and three on the road, four and four in quad one. Above them at 38 is Maryland. They're nine and 10 overall, three and five on the road. But they're four and 10 in quad one, and they're five and oh and three and four. There's no quad two because they have played 14 quad one games, lost 10, won four. They are higher in the net ranking than Oklahoma State is. Now, 
come selection Sunday and the tournament committee going to go, yeah, we'll put Maryland in over Ohio State. No, God, no. But that is the thing of looking at the net rankings and going, there is, there is some issue this year because of fewer non-conference games. I do think that's affected things a lot. I think that's but I mean, again, so this, I, this is why, so what's interesting is, of course, Oklahoma State 43rd in, in net. The 22nd in Ken Palm right now. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, that is. I, I, which is, no, they're not. Forgive me. I gotta make sure I have my updated stuff. I don't know what I was they're 44th. There we go. Man, just. Speed Iowa State. I'm, I'm on day one. That's all that matters, Speed Iowa State. Yeah. All right, I do want to talk about the roster a little bit, just to see kind of as the season has gone on, I like to update and, you know, give analysis and such. Um, I want, I'm going to talk about Cade because either we only have a few games left of being able to guarantee games watching him for Oklahoma State, so I'm going to take every opportunity that I can. Uh, he's been up and down the last few games. I think that's fair to say. Uh, really struggled uh, against Texas. Played well in really in a lot of stretches against TCU. Had the, the brain fart with 16 seconds left uh, that really essentially cost Oklahoma State the game. It's really the first huge what what are you doing mistake that he's made for to be playing nearly 20 games in your college career and that be the first time. You know, I think that says a lot about where he's at developmental wise. But the last couple of games, the, the percentages may not look great, but again, he makes so many winning plays outside of just shooting. Don't like, if you're going to watch a game or you don't watch a game, don't be a box score warrior and see, Oh, he shot five of 13. He's awful. Or he had a bad game. Like you didn't watch. I promise you. He's still, he's an awesome defender. Uh, despite even get it, even when he gets in foul trouble, still manages to try to be safe. The quality that I think, not even that I think that's really come on in the last few games is his outside shooting coming into college and coming into the season. His knock was, all right, well, he's a six, eight point guard. He's going to be able to get to the rim at will and get to the free throw line, but we don't know how well he's going to be able to shoot mid range in three. And he's currently shooting 43% from three, which I believe is a top 15 mark for a freshman in Oklahoma state history. Uh, he's not going to be that, you know, Keaton Page, Phil Forte, shoot nearly 50% from three type. But if you shoot 43% when, and you're not coming in, was it you can't shoot? It shows his, how he's getting better. And it's happened in the last few games. And he's also taking quality shots too. It's not like he's just chucking up eight threes a game. He'll take four, maybe five, and he's knocking down two or three. And, and their shots in rhythm, their shots off the bounce, their step back, it, it's everything. It's not set play, you know, not, it's not set play shots every time that are wide open. It's heavily contested stuff that's still going in. And he's still able to get to the rack and go and get to the free throw line and get fouled whenever refs actually do want to call fouls on him because, my God, he got mugged in Allen Fieldhouse and it didn't matter. But that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. That's just the Allen Fieldhouse whistle. I'm not going to, not going to go too far into the weeds on that one. But I'll look around at the other freshmen. Rondo Walker has still been awesome for this team. I, I love everything that that kid brings to on, on the offensive and defensive end of the court. He's a dude that needs to keep shooting. He, and it, like he put, he maybe like what, he was maybe like what, two for eight from three or something against, uh, uh, against Kansas State, but they were all wide open looks, and his shot is from the corner. Keep shooting, dude. And I think that's. I'm going to go off on a quick tangent here, but 
I think don't look too much into the Oklahoma State shot too many threes against uh, Kansas State. They shot, I believe, 28 and made 10. That's not terrible, not great either. But a vast, I'd say at least two-thirds of those, if not more, were wide open shots. You take those every time. Don't worry about, you know, the, and keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, because eventually those are going to fall. And what I like about the way that they continue to take shots and not hesitate to take those open threes is because the coaching staff is telling them, keep going. Those are going to fall. Keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. That's a mark of a good coach. That's not just sitting back. If I would be more concerned if they were passing up those opportunities and they aren't, they're pulling the trigger and they're starting to, and they're starting to fall with a little more regularity than they were early on in the season. Oklahoma state is not a still not a great shooting team, but they're good enough to be a threat and cause the defense to not pack in as much as they ha- as they were early on in the season. Farron flavors, Rondell Walker, uh, Avery Anderson, uh, you know, and even Cade now is starting to get into that mode too, where, they can knock down a few a game and cause that defense to stretch out, which opens the lane for a guy like Caden Ice to be able to get to the rack. So that there's so there's so many like I said, this team is so volatile, but really fun. Uh, like I said, back to Rondell. On the defensive end, he has some of the best anticipation jumping passing lanes that I've seen from any college basketball player, at least in the last few years. Uh, his instincts on that end of the floor, along with what he's doing on the offensive end. He's probably my favorite player on this team at this point. I think he, he just kind of embodies that Oklahoma State basketball, you know, just the culture uh, that in the, the history of Oklahoma State basketball, it's been that way. Avery's been really good. Uh, Moncrief has zero fear of anybody at all, which I think is great. He is incredibly volatile and incredibly erratic most of the time, but I will never take away that kid's ability, you know, confidence. I will never take away that kid's, you know, tell that kid to stop, you know, going right at somebody because he thinks he can score and you don't want to take that away from a kid at all. Eventually he's going to be a little more refined, but I have no issues with what I'm seeing, especially out of the freshman right now outside of Cade. I think it got lost Cade being the number one player, of course, he's going to get a lot of the buzz. But what we're seeing from especially those two right now, uh, it says a lot about where this freshman class is at and getting the, the playing time they are right now. It's paying dividends this season, but it's going to pay even more in the next couple of years. This team is going to be really good and really fun over at least the next two seasons with those guys. Yeah. Uh, to your point on Cade shooting three, um, since he came back from his – COVID break, his three-point shooting percentage per game, 40%, 50%, 60 60%, 50%, 50%. Uh, if I am good at math, which I'm not, still, that seems um, good. Yeah? Oh, yeah. No, that's that's very yeah. good. That's very okay. especially for someone that supposedly can't shoot. Oh, yeah, he's shooting 50% overall since he came back. So there you go. I was just doing math and I need a calculator because I can't, I can only do so much math in my head. Okay. I was an art major for reading. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Do you have any other final thoughts roster wise, basketball, anything like that? Um, Feel free to go off on some rambling tangent. Like I just did. I went off the cuff and had zero planned on what I was going to say. So I hope uh, anything that I said made sense earlier. It's pretty much the description for this podcast. Zero plan. Yeah. Off the cuff. I get the name embodies what we drink while we record. And so. Um, 
Yeah, to beat Iowa State. I, you know what? Oh, I hate doing this. I hate vocalizing it. I would rather just like correctly guess an upset and not tell anyone and keep it to myself and be proud of myself for figuring it out. But man, you get Baylor. I know it's in Waco, but you get them off of a big COVID break. Flavors is healthy. You likely he's going to have a nice bit of rest. We'll see how healthy he is. Cage be pretty well recovered from COVID. Man, mm. I want to call upset so bad. In my heart, it says. In my heart, it says it's going to happen. I hate saying it out loud because it won't. And I'll be like, "Well, it's my fault," which is the stupidest thing in the world. Such a stupid sports thing. But like, man, this feels like. I think Saturday, Oklahoma State gets the best win anybody in the country will have all season. A road win at Baylor. And stamped because it is uh, – it has been said on airwaves. So. Just throw it – if I'm wrong, it's fine. You can cold take me, whatever. I, 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 you can't whatever. cold take when Baylor's the second best team in the country. Like, I, you pick Oklahoma State to win. Like, I don't think that's a freezing cold take. Like, I don't think it would be even if Oklahoma State lost. Like, I'm not worried about it. I, do I think Oklahoma State can? Yes, because circumstantially, it's yes. getting them yes. at the best time, at a time where they have not practiced or done anything for two-plus weeks. And we don't even know if the game is going to even be played at this point yet. There's even talk that yes. that might not even happen. No, which, I want to play. I want to play. Oh, I do too. But also, it's Baylor. After the way they handled football season, are we shocked it took this long for them to have a massive COVID break? No. They had a pause. They had to uh, delay their OU Texas game back in December because of, or uh, oh, Baylor Texas game back in December because of COVID. This isn't the first time the men's basketball teams had issues. Women's did too, because Mulkey tried to blame that on the reason that Iowa State beat them early in conference play. But you know, Baylor. Baylor. I don't know. I don't want to dog on Baylor. It's a it's a lazy old thing to do. They're having a lot of troubles with it. I don't know if it's their fault or you know, COVID doesn't care. So. Um, let's talk football schedule. We got a football schedule to talk about. Yes, we do. On the other side of this break, we'll break that down. We'll talk to you all in a minute. Philip, this I'm sure was like Christmas day for you. Uh, I believe it was, uh, you know, Friday, was it Friday? The schedule came out or was it Thursday? Either way, it came out a couple of days ago and I'm sure that you were, uh, you were super giddy and smiling, uh, at your office desk when I sent you that the schedule had dropped at noon and I will let you have this moment and I'll, I'll step away and you can tell us, uh, who Oklahoma state plays, uh, in what order for football season, 2021. First off, I think it's funny that you think that you sent it to me before I had seen it on my own. <laughs> I sent it to you right at noon, so I thought I got it it's to you, fine. maybe. You, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, so let's run this down. Oklahoma State, of course, non-conference. Uh, Open with Missouri State at home on September 4th. Uh, you'll play Gold, uh, Tulsa at home, follow a road trip to the Blue Turf uh, at Boise. Uh, the conference play kicks off the home game against Kansas State. <clears throat> on a weekend, I'll actually end up being in Colorado for a wedding. Uh, and then you get Baylor at home and then you get your idle week idle it's not a bye week you will automatically move on to anything folks and here comes the four game murderers row stretch at texas 
at Iowa State, Kansas for homecoming. I'll get to that in a minute. And at West Virginia, we wrap things up with TCU at Texas Tech and Bedlam back at the end of the season where traditionally it belongs. Um, I've been working on an article with my thoughts on this and I haven't gotten it done because I have no time and I got to go use the next piece, but I just don't. Um, so five thoughts. Let's just do them here. Uh, number one, yeah, Murderer's Row is not a joke. And I understand Kansas is in the middle of it, and that's nice. You come off an auto week, which is also good. And it's not like everyone doesn't have this. I went through the whole Big 12 schedule. Only two teams don't have a four-game stretch with three road games in it. Only two teams, Kansas State and Baylor, in the Big 12, do not have a three-road in four-game stretch in conference play. So most everyone's going to go through this. You get Texas, who's going to be brand-new coaching staff, brand-new head coach, don't care, talent's still there, it's in Austin. Then you go to Iowa State, who's basically returning like everybody but Jaquan Bailey. You get Kansas for homecoming, thank you. Then you go to West Virginia, and if you think West Virginia is easy, I understand that Oklahoma State's had injury issues the past couple seasons, but they've still had really close games against the West Virginia team that continues to improve. And Morgantown, folks, as we all know, is weird, and that's going to be the beginning of November, so it's going to be butt cold. Like, go outside right now. That's how cold it will be, assuming you're listening to this. Well, okay, right now on Sunday night at 8.40. It's cold. It's going to be cold. (coughs) It's not the most difficult four-game stretch, but it's the most difficult four-game stretch of the schedule, and it's a tough one. I, I, you can tell me Texas, blah, don't care. You're still playing Texas on the road. And then Iowa State. That's a tough one to punch. It is. And West Virginia is a tricky team. So um, that's your most difficult uh, stretch. I don't like homecoming on October 30th. Let me explain. And this might be an old man thing. And college students are going to tell me, whatever, man, it'll be great. We're going to be in costumes and the, the game and the, the walk and walk. Don't put homecoming on Halloween. Come on, folks. That's not convenient. Some of us have kids. Some of us have young kids and live out of state. We would like to take our children trick-or-treating because they want to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. And guess what? That means Halloween's on a Sunday. Are you taking your kids trick-or-treating on a Sunday? No, you're not. You're going to take them on Saturday night. That's when everyone's going to do Halloween. I don't love homecoming being on Halloween. I understand that otherwise it would have been TCU on November 13th or Baylor on October 2nd, which is weird. But I don't like homecoming on Halloween weekend. I don't, I don't think it's a... I don't think it's conducive, especially because this is the like 100th homecoming. You didn't have homecoming this past season because of COVID and you wanted to have this big one. You wanted to save it. You didn't want to blow it on a year where you couldn't have anybody in town. You saved it for a year and it's going to be on Halloween. It's a little bit disappointing because I would have loved to be there. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to take my girls straight or treating. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. So uh, it's just, it's a little bit frustrating. I'm, I'm sure not the only person. I'm sure some people will be like, shut up, old man. This is great. That's cool. I'm glad you're going to enjoy it. I'm not, I'm sure not the only person. So it would have been better if it wasn't Halloween. Yeah, that that stretch of at Texas, at Iowa State, and then at West Virginia, for I hate that. Nothing, yeah. That doesn't make me feel good at all. And we said, you know, we talked at the end of football season a little bit at, right before the bowl game that, prior to those last couple of games, we thought this season is going to be rough. This is going to be like a, a five and seven, six and six, maybe type season. You know, the one where maybe the bowl streak ends or something like that. But as people start coming back, Oh, this could be a seven and five, eight and four, you know, just a, a slight dip, slight rebuild. 
and then you move on and in 2022 you have a legit chance of competing for a title again if the roster falls in line but with the way the schedule fell I don't feel as good about where Oklahoma State is in the ground like I don't think eight and four is going to happen I think seven and five is probably I think eight and four is probably your ceiling but I think realistically I a seven and five feels right at this point um a lot's gonna change between now and then but that's how I feel just initial reaction okay so let me let me make two points let's just screw it let's just run that list okay so you get a as tough as that four game stretch is you get a really nice start to your year you get Missouri State and Tulsa open things up um Barring injuries in the Tulsa game, you have to put in a backup. It shouldn't be the backup. It's a 2-0 start. At Boise State is, man. I know they have a new coaching staff, but just that, that it's just that weird road game. And Boise State's still a good program. They have enough yes. cachet that, like, they're going to be just fine losing when they, without Brian Harson. I don't even know who their coach is right now, if they even have a coach. But um, it's uh, their former DC was the DC at uh, Oregon, Andy Avalos. Um, I think that. Hold on. I thought I knew there. I knew there was rumors they're going to hire Kellen Moore for a hot minute, but after that, I didn't know if they. Actually yeah, Andy Avalos, who was their DC, uh, he was the, def- the Oregon defensive coordinator, um, so he knows the program. I would say them having a new coach gives OSU the advantage. Um, I still think that's going to be a tough game. Uh, I, I might mark that as an L there. That's kind of what I'm thinking at this point too. Just again, it, if it's just, uh, it, I felt weird about the the home game uh, when we played Boise back in 18. Oh, I know what you had no business winning that game, and they did. Exactly. So, Here's my thing. We have to remember OSU is bringing back a whole lot more than I think people realize in play in positions that matter. Um, and where they're going to fill spots in, I trust them. Okay. I think, that's fair. I think the offensive line will be better just by a lack of attrition or massive attrition. Like that one. Um, you get your quarterback back. You will have the same OC and the same quarterback coach for the second year, for the first time since they got to OSU. Um, you bring a lot back on defense. You don't, your wide receivers is going to be a, a lot of guys to figure out. Your running backs, it'll be interesting to see how that works. So I don't know if LD Brown's back or not. I think OSU by game three would be okay. I'm just going to mark that as an L for now because we're at this point in the season and I don't know enough and I can make a better evaluation after spring. So you get those two. Then you start conference play with Kansas State at home. I mean, you should be able to win that game. And you get Baylor who has replaced their entire offensive staff. Um, Gonna have a new starting quarterback. The defense will probably be good. I, you, I, I would rather have this and have Kansas later than start with Kansas in conference play again. I think this is a nice opportunity for, at worst, a four and one start to to your season. That's why I think this sets up well for Oklahoma State. Then you get your idle week before Texas. Brand new Texas staff. Brand new starting quarterback. A lot of places players that they're replacing. It's a vulnerable year for Texas in Austin. That doesn't mean they're going to be easy to beat. So I don't know. At Iowa State, October 23rd. Every year I think Iowa State's going to beat OSU. But every year, 
OSU wins. And the only year that Purdy was able to beat OSU is when nobody knew who Brock Purdy was. He came in on the third, I would say it's third drive of the game, and just no one knew how to prepare for him because no one had seen him before. So that trickery aside, OSU has found a way to win this game. And you can say, well, they've been lucky. They found a way to win this game every year since. I don't know. This one feels like Iowa State should probably win it. But I don't know. You get Kansas at home, and you go to West Virginia. I don't think you're one and three in that stretch. I think you're two and two. So now you're looking at what? Six and three? Four and one start. Two and two in that four-game stretch. So you're six and three. You're telling me they, they should go – like, I, I think TCU is going to be tough. I do. Even at home, I think Texas Tech's going to suck. You should beat them. I think this is Matt Wells last season. And then they put Bedlam back at the end of the season, which is great for OU and bad for OSU as always. And so OSU will lose that game. I think eight and four is very possible. I think nine and three is the ceiling this year. See, I just, I have been burned for trying to have an optim, a really optimistic ceiling in the last couple of, couple of years, really. Um, because we had, what you did, I don't think what you accounted for in that breakdown is the game that they shouldn't lose, but they do. TCU feels like that for me. I think TCU is t- a tough game, but I, I just – that's probably the game that Oklahoma State drops where we all put our hands up like, what are we doing? Just like we did well, this year. Let me counter that. They also always win a game they shouldn't. So let me throw this at you. That two and two in that four-game stretch of Texas, Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, I think the loss they shouldn't have comes in there, and I think the win they shouldn't have comes in there as well. I think their two and two is Iowa State and Kansas or Texas and Kansas, and I think they lose at West Virginia. Like, I think that I, I am accounting for that in that four-game stretch of them going two and two because I think they will lose one of the ones they shouldn't, but I also think they'll win a game they shouldn't in that stretch as well. Yeah, I, I have West Virginia pegged as a loss, even though that might be the one that, uh, that they shouldn't lose, but they do. They shouldn't. I mean, I, look, <laughs> they're losing a ton off of really good de- – they're going to lose a lot off of really good defense, and their quarterback situation continues to suck. Unless there's some new quarterback, starting quarterback for them next year who's really good, they sh- OSU has – had close games against West Virginia the last two years because West OSU has had injury issues every time. They have yet to have – Spencer Sanders has not played a West Virginia yet. Yeah. I mean, that that plays into that. It does. That's fair. And, yeah, putting, <coughs> bed, yeah, putting Bedlam at the end of the year just – and even so, if it was – you could have played that first game of the year. Chalk it up. I, I'm – I'm not. I'm just going to count that. And for I'm never going to pick it as a W, but I really hate what COVID did because that game was supposed to be in October last year, and it got bumped back at the end of the season, late to the season. It got bumped to November again, and I understand the traditionalists, but let's be honest. And I've had an OU fans tell me I'm being whiny. I've had people tell me I'm I'm whining when I state this. I'm not whining. Playing Bedlam at the end of the season benefits Oklahoma. It does. It does. And you can't. That's not. I'm not saying that. Like, oh, we would, we would have so many more wins. You might have one if you moved it up earlier. Maybe not, because people don't take into account that no matter what OU fans or players say, they don't want to lose to OSU. They don't want to lose to Oklahoma State. They don't want to deal with that because they do view themselves as superior and having a loss to an inferior team like Oklahoma State is a bad thing for them. So they do care about winning that game. But playing the game at the end of the season – they have a much greater depth of talent. They can handle the attrition by the end of the year better than Oklahoma State can. And no offense, Gundy, Lincoln Riders, Riley is a better coach than you. So he's going to be more prepared for, to face this game, and he's not scared of you. Yeah. So I, 
Would I have preferred this game earlier in the season just once? Yes. Would I love to see it in mid-October just once? Please. And I say once because they'd lose and be like, go back to normal. But just make stuff up for me a little bit here. Okay? I get it. It's Thanksgiving. whoop do you do Bob ain't coming to kick it, back, kick it again. Okay? So it's just whatever. We'll have more on this. We'll know more about it uh, over the next couple of months. We'll start having previews toward the end of the summer. Uh, I'll be curious how many games get moved to like, – I wonder if the opener will get moved to a Thursday or if the Texas game will move to th- – typically OSU has a Thursday night game. Yeah. I can't see it happening. It, to me, it'll either happen at the opener or it'll happen off the idol. I don't see OSU agreeing to like, oh, yeah, we'll play TCU and then turn around on Thursday and go to Texas Tech. Like, Gundy's going to be like, nah, we're not doing that. So, I their opener has been an early game a lot over the past few years because OSU's always happy to accommodate by giving them one in that spot. So, I wonder if either the Missouri State game, the other season, or the Texas game off of the idol week gets moved up. I honestly would love to see the Texas game moved up for two reasons. More time to prep for Iowa State afterwards. More time to heal up from an aggressive Texas team. And you get them out Thursday night, which means we will slightly reduced crowd. Fans are going to show up for Texas games this year, guys. They always do, but they're going to this year because they're excited about something new. And they're excited about their new coach. And they're excited for something different. So I would be perfectly fine if Texas got moved up a couple of days. And last thing we got for you guys, Oklahoma State had a huge recruiting week last week. They landed three commitments in one day and another guy right after. So it was a, a big start to the 2022 class. Again, Philip, you were more of the recruiting buff on this than I am. Uh, I know a little bit about Garrett Rangel, uh, kind of the guy that we had a feeling over the last couple of weeks was going to commit. Eventually he did. Uh, and there are some other guys in there as well that are pretty interesting. But again, I'll let you take the lead on this. You, you know more, a little bit more about this than I do. And I, I don't know this class as well as I have in the past. Again, two kids, man. Uh, yeah, so there was a, a, a kind of a silent commit that, that came out in January. Gundy had put out the dancing tweet, and then we never heard anything. Um, that was Wrangell. He, he decided to, to wait to make his announcement. Um, so we knew that something was coming on Friday. He was the guy on Friday. So get your quarterback for this class. It's very important. I, they did not have a scholarship quarterback for 2021. I know Gundy's son is coming in. They didn't have a scholarship quarterback for 2021, so they have one for 2022. That's a big deal. I'll be curious to see if they bring in a second one as well. What was crazy was when you landed three guys on the same day. So back on Wednesday, you had three guys commit. Uh, you got Cameron Epps, the cornerback out of Missouri, three-star guy. I've, I've, I've seen a little bit of his table like it. Uh, Landon Dean, the defensive end out of Kansas. Uh, it was down to I think Kansas State and, uh, and Oklahoma State on him. Oklahoma State got him. That was a nice one to get. I like that one. They needed a defensive end in this class. Uh, and then the kind of out of nowhere one, the Mason Gilkey, the wide receiver out of Bahuska, um, who committed the day he got his offer. He is – I mean, you go went through all the stuff, and you're like, I have no idea who this who's, who it's going to be. No star rating, no nothing on 24-7. Um, he is under, 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 under the radar. Don't let that fool you. A lot of the stuff this year is weird. 2022 class is weird because of COVID. Um, I think this is a kid who will probably be a nice three-star receiver when the recruiting gets updated. If not, probably a high three. I like him. 
He very much fit. He's six four, guys. He's a six four receiver. He's a six four receiver. That's fantastic. Like you just you get that whole. I'm not saying size wise. I just get that whole like, who's James Washington? Some three star kid out of nowhere, Texas, who likes like. I, I will be interested to see where he ends up once two four seven and rivals and ESPN. 247, importantly, redoes all their rankings in the next round and where Gilkey ends up. I think he'll end up as a nice three-star. I, with seven commits right now, I bet he's in the upper half of what they have. Yeah, what, what I really like about Cameron Epps, just from you know a bio check on 24-7, he plays corner and he's 6'3", 180. Uh, when he gets into Rob Glass's weight program, he'll probably be right around 200 and still growing. That kid, the, you know, in theory, is about six four about 200 205 pounds playing bump and run coverage on the outside like Jim Knowles likes to run I bet he's salivating thinking about that that's the that's the one that really intrigues me because it feels like that's the type of kid that Jim Knowles wants playing outside corner on his defense playing bump and run you know press man coverage to allow him to do what he does with his blitzes with his linebackers and his, his robber and all that stuff uh, with his safeties. That, that one really does intrigue me a little bit. So <clears throat> I don't know if you're supposed to make like Twitter jokes on audio, but you could play the stop the count joke right now because Oklahoma State's 2022 class is currently ranked 10th nationally. So stop the count. Let's just, stop just stop the, the count. count. Just stop the count. Top 10 class. Shh, everyone shut up. Let's move on to 23. And I'm done. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wrangle's an interesting prospect. I don't know. Again, he's a kid I don't know a ton about. Uh, you know, it's it, it's so hard to tell with highlight tape because it obviously makes him oh, yeah. more elevated than anything. If I you know was able to get eyes on him, then maybe I'd know a little more. But so I'll, I'll defer to smarter people than me to to make those takes. And you know, maybe we'll see him on the field in a couple of years, and you know, the chips will fall where they may. But it's a, I think it was so important to get a quarterback this year. They needed it badly, but they're filling needs immediately. Corner, D-end, and then receiver. I like how the class is shaping up. Feels like Oklahoma State's a little bit more aggressive at this point early on in the recruiting cycle, which I didn't really expect. You had four commits in a couple of days, but I think that's a lot of Oklahoma State trying to get on guys before they get a lot more offers and a lot more other stuff and see if they can just lock these kids down early. Then there's still going to be a lot more moving parts. The recruiting dead period still going on until April or May. So there's still a lot that we're going to need to know about this class over the next few months. But I feel like what they have right now is at least a good start. Yeah, no, it's a good it's a good start for this class. Um, running back, they and they are hitting on the positions they they need to focus on, and they're getting the guys in early on the positions they need to focus on. Wide receiver is not a big issue. They they brought in so many the last few years, but having two guys at running back, getting a defensive end, well, there's a lot of work to do. But getting seven, and if they can keep them all. <laughs> that, that becomes the key, which is tough because it's 17-year-olds making the biggest decision of their lives. Right. That, you know, there's going to be some um, decision there at some point. The, this class, to me, the success of this class is going to be based on what they do at offensive line. Yeah. I think 2021 was disappointing. They need to bring in some guys. Like, they need four or five, probably closer to five. And you'd love to see Calvin Banks recommit. I don't think he's going to. You just don't see that happen. Um, and it stinks. OSU gets on a guy early. 
he shoots up the rankings. Everyone's comes after him, and and he decommits from Oklahoma State. It's, it's fine. He needs to review his options. Um, and he's had nice things to say about OSU and, and the recruiting process. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's not always about how well you recruit or how poorly re- you recruit or how much you want a kid. Other things are factors. So, or you know, it's not always about your commitment to recruiting. Other things matter. And I'm not being snarky or they're getting paid. Like um, other things matter. And it's things that OSU isn't doing or isn't capable of doing at this point. And it's always going to be a problem for them. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have more recruiting talk as the rest of this class kind of fills out. But like I said, I think this is at least a decent start. We're seeing some guys that maybe not early, like immediate impact, but dudes that we're going to see on the field pretty early on for Oklahoma State in their careers. And we'll see how things roll uh, over the next few months. And we got basketball in a couple of days. Baseball season is right around the corner. Oh, my God, I'm excited. This weekend. This is weekend. Uh, Softball went 2-0 to start the year. Let's go. All right. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Philip? My glass is empty, so I think, uh, I think we've reached our, uh, our stopping point for this one. Yeah, we're, we're done. Right. We're done. Uh, no, yeah, softball started 2-0 uh, before the weather had to cancel that. They got a nice win over ranked Arkansas before it did. Baseball starts this weekend at Sam Houston State. Uh, I'll tell the weather doesn't screw that up. Let's see how that goes. Um, and uh, the soccer team should be starting their their spring season, which I don't understand entirely. Uh, we gotta, Might need to get Anna on to talk about um, that one. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, so, yeah. All right, be sure to check out Phillip's show, the 1012 Podcast, T-E-N, the number 12 podcast. I'm sure that'll be out early this week with this one. And then I am back over at Royals Farm Report recording that show. We had about a six-month break because there was no minor league season last year. We're back recording that. Uh, We break down the Andrew Benintendi trade, and we talked to Ann Rogers, the uh, new beat reporter for the Royals. So for any Anybody in the Kansas City area, any Royals fans out there, go to Royals Review Radio over on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find it. Look for the Royals Farm Report uh, title, and that you'll find me there. I'm a huge baseball guy, as you know, so this is a, a little fun project. And we'll have our Top 50 Prospects show uh, out later this week, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. So we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one.